You're listening to the sermon podcast from Victory Baptist Church. At Victory, we work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. And now, here's this week's sermon from Pastor Terry Green. You should have seen how they've been waiting on me at home. It's a little sad and a little nice. Um, this is here in case I need it. Uh, I haven't been standing up much. And I'm not sure if I can make it to the message, so at any time I may sit down and I want to be able to get through the message. I'm excited to be here. I really missed last week. I watched on the video, but it's not nearly as nice as being able to be here. And uh, I'm just grateful to be back and praise the Lord for that. Now, when you ask people to line up, what usually happens There's some pushing, right? Some shoving, trying to get first. Seems like the younger you are, the worse it is. I mean, when we go into the friends needing friends lunch and ask them to line up, surely doesn't push very many people. Uh, And, you know, they just just take their turns. But but, uh, especially with kids. Now, normally, it's a difference of half a second or maybe one second, the difference between being first in line and second in line. So you're the first one out the door, or the first one to get the cookie or the ice cream, or the first one to get the piece of candy, but then everybody else gets one too. But those few seconds seem so important to kids that a kid will fight with his best friend for the opportunity to be first. Now, sad thing is, adults do it too, Right? How many of you have ever gone shopping in a store on Black Friday? Yeah, you only did it once, right? It, it's, it's a scary thing. In fact, at the beginning of COVID, with all the shortages of stuff going on, Kathy was in Walmart and there was a fight over toilet paper. Big, loud fist fight over toilet paper. She won. So. <laughs> And I just lost, but (laughs) (laughs) so we've been doing a series on mission possible, that God calls us to do things that would normally be impossible for us. An unsafe person cannot even understand the scripture, God's word says. You need the Holy Spirit to help you understand, to help you comprehend. And God gives us the grace and strength that we need to be able to go forward for him. So uh, we're going to look, bring up this next slide, serving within the lines. We're going to look in Matthew 20. We're going to look in John 13. We'll start in Matthew 20. And uh, the story, the background to this in Matthew 20 is the, the apostles, James and John, now, there were several James who were leaders in the church. You know, uh, James, the half-brother of Christ, ended up being a pastor in the church in Jerusalem. And, and there was James, the apostle. And so James and John were brothers. They were sons of Zebedee. They were also called the sons of thunder. Evidently, they were pretty intense guys. And uh, so one day, their mom went to Jesus and asked, when you get to heaven, can my boys sit one on your right hand and one on the left? And if you go to a formal, like, state dinner or something, the person who sits by the president on the right is the most significant guest, and the second most significant guest is the one who sits on the left of the president. 
That's how they arrange things. So like if the President of the United States and the Prime Minister of England and the Prime Minister of Canada were together in this meeting, and then the Prime Minister of England would be on the President's right hand and the Prime Minister of Canada on his left because that's their importance in our um, arrangement, our relationships with them, the political uh, turf that they share. And so the, the British prime minister in that setting would be first. But if it was a different one, like they were honor, honoring the president of Israel or something, that person would then have that spot. So what the mom's saying is, at the you know that dinner we're going to have in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb, I want my boys to have the prime spots. I want them to be first. Now that's not necessarily a bad thing for a mom to want. But Jesus really discouraged it, said, for one thing, that's not his place, that's the Father's place. I'm thinking probably at the marriage supper of the Lamb, I don't know how it'll work, but we'll probably all be equal distance away from Jesus. I don't know for sure, but I think we'll all have proximity to him. And so uh, then Jesus goes on to tell them something that was very important for them to hear in uh Matthew chapter 20, I'll look down in verse number 10. I'm sorry, verse 24. When the 10 heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself, so he got all the disciples together, and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whosoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. So within the church, if you want to be first, then you have to serve the most. Mark uh, 10.45 repeats this, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So within Christianity, within Christendom, if you will, within the church, individual churches and the church at large, greatness is not measured by how many people remember your name, but by how many people remember your kindness. Greatness is not measured by how much money you accumulate or how many friends you have on Facebook. It's a good thing I don't have any. <laughs> it is measured by how many people you encourage and assist. Your life is not enriched by having lots of stuff. It's enriched by giving your heart to others, sharing and helping and encouraging. God calls us to give our lives to minister to others. Now turn to John 13. Jesus gave a classic uh, demonstration of what this would look like. Now we're going to be talking about Jesus doing the washing the disciples' feet. And in our uh, Articles of Faith, we talk about the, the ordinances of the church. There's two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. We don't include foot washing as an ordinance, 
because Jesus did it as an example. And you read through all the epistles to all the churches and all the things written, they talk about baptism. They talk about the Lord's Supper. They never talk about the foot washing ceremony. There wasn't a foot washing ceremony. See, we live in a different culture than they did. Now, in the uh, 1800s and early 1900s, if you lived in Virginia or eastern Tennessee and somebody came over to your house, you would offer them a cigarette because you lived in tobacco country and that's what you did to show your uh, guest that you cared about them. In our culture today, if you know somebody offered you a cigarette, you might feel offended. Um, and I don't think you should smoke. It's not good for your body. Uh, the only good use of tobacco is after you get a wasping. You put a little wet tobacco on there, it helps pull it out. But when you get the tobacco inside you, it's not good. But, but see, that's what the, that was a cultural thing. Here in Arizona, what do we do? If somebody comes over to your house, what do you often say? Yeah, would you like a water? I mean, you maybe don't have these water bottles, but some of you do. But you have something. And you have it ready to give to people. Why? Because we live in a hot, dry climate. And so that's a courteous thing you do. Well, in their culture, they walked either barefoot or wearing sandals on dusty roads. And after you've walked in sandals on dusty roads, what happens to your feet? Yeah, they're covered with dust. And so what do you do after your feet are covered with dust? Well, when you'd go into a house, maybe we, we do at our house, we'd take shoes off when we go inside to keep the tiles and carpets cleaner. And, and I don't know how many of you do that or whether you do that or not, but we do in our house. And, and so in their culture, what you do is when you go inside, you would then have somebody there to wash their feet. If you didn't have a servant, then it would be your oldest kid or if you didn't have kids, then it, somebody would do it. You would wash your guests' feet. That was just a courteous thing they did. So, in this situation, the disciples went in the room. What should have happened? Somebody should have washed everybody's feet. It didn't happen. Until Jesus did it. I love verse 13. Uh, chapter 13, verse 1. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Even on the cross, even after they'd all fled, even on the cross, he was loving them. He loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Satan can put thoughts in your mind. Acts 5 talks about Satan uh, putting a thought in Ananias and Sapphira, a married couple, and so they lied about money, and they ended up dying because of it. Satan can put thoughts in your mind. Don't get stressed if you have a weird thought. Don't think, oh, no, I'm losing my mind. I had a weird thought. Why would I ever think that? Maybe you didn't think it all on your own. Maybe Satan put the thought there. So you just dismiss that thought and think better thoughts. The Bible actually gives instruction for how to do that in other passages. But uh, Simon, uh, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, poor Simon, had already 
it had already been put in his heart to deny Jesus. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid down his garments, took the towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Let's pause there for just a moment, okay? Jesus did not do what the apostles expected. He did not do what the apostles wanted. Jesus didn't even do everything that he could do. He just washed feet. No pedicures. He could have done that. He washed just feet, nothing else, just their feet. He didn't preach a message. He simply lived it. And he didn't take away all their problems, just the dust from their feet. He did not do everything he could have done. But oh, what a lesson he taught his apostles. Number one, when you have a heart to serve, you can find some way to help. When you have a heart to serve, you can find some way to help. There's lots of ways to help. Dennis is not here today. He's back out in California for the family memorial service for his daughter, Cindy, who went home to be with the Lord recently. And, you know, Dennis, uh, when he first joined the church, he came in and met with me during the time we were talking about membership. And he said, I want to serve. Tell me how. And he just started serving. He helps, I think, in Awana. Doesn't he help in Sparks? And, oh, right, Leah was saying that she really enjoyed his lessons when he's taught in Sparks. And, and he pitched in, and we've had fellowships. And, you know, one of the nice things is when people see things that need done and just step up and help. And so every one of them would have seen that pitcher and the water, the pitcher of water, and the basin, and the towel. In those homes, they kept it by the door when the guests came in. Now, chances are, in this setting, it was just Jesus and the apostles, and there wasn't somebody else. If there had been somebody else, that other person probably would have washed their feet. But normally, a servant would have done that. But but when they came in, you know, when, when you came in, Maybe those sitting over here didn't necessarily, but everybody over here, you walked right past the offering box. Now, maybe you put something in, maybe you didn't, maybe you well on your way out. That's between you and God. God wants you to be generous toward his work. But you see it there. It's available. They saw the water. They saw the bowl. Can't you picture them? I, I would. I like to act this out, but I can't do that right now. So they'd they'd probably turn their back to the water, right? And then as they step past it, they'd keep it to their back. So now officially, they never saw it, right? And now when they would eat at a table there, it's not like we do at our tables. We sit up high in a chair so we can grab food with both fists and just shovel it in, right? But but what they would do is they lay down at a table, and I'm not going to model that for you either. I'll have Richard come up here and do it. No. They, they basically lay down on one elbow, and they put their forearm down on the floor, and then they'd reach to the table and eat, and, and then their legs were stretched out behind them. So in their dining room, instead of a table with chairs around it. It'd be a low table and space around it for their legs to go out, not necessarily straight out because they could angle them, but they were all 
be fat. So picture the table there and the guys laying there and all their feet. That's the very outward thing all the way around the room is the feet. And then Jesus got up from the table and they didn't know what was going on. And he started to wash their feet. He took off his outer garments. He wrapped a towel around himself. He poured water into the basin. Imagine how quiet it was in that room. Now, I, I had just got to think, you know, a meal with Peter there, it's not going to be quiet. Peter's going to have stories to tell and things to talk about. And you should have seen the fish I just caught, you know. And, and he's going to have all kinds of stuff. Did you see me pull in that net of fish all by myself? Yeah. You know, he's going to be strutting. And, and then John and James are going to be arguing about something, the sons of thunder, right? There's going to be noise. And then Jesus gets up from the table and it gets quiet. They don't know what he's going to do. And then he takes off his outer garment and he wraps the towel around himself. And then he pours water in the basin. And at that moment, I bet in that room, the only sound you could hear was the sound of water pouring. That was just almost deathly quiet. And then he walks up to one of the disciples. I don't know which one was first. Maybe John. I don't know. And he starts washing the feet. Now, what do you think that guy's doing? You know, I, I picture one of three responses. He's either kind of panicking, looking around at the room with the other guys like, what is going on? Or he's just staring at Jesus, or maybe he's looking down at the ground because he knows Jesus shouldn't be the one doing this. And then, I'm sorry, he doesn't know that. He thinks it's beneath Jesus to do this. But then the next and the next, and then what happens? He comes to Peter, verse 6. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So, Second thing is, even when you do the right thing, you may be misunderstood. Even when you do the right thing, you may be misunderstood. Might happen. Lord, are you washing my feet? Now, implied in what Peter said is the concept that Peter would have been just fine if any of those other guys had been washing his feet. That would have been appropriate. You know, one of those guys should have washed his feet, but not Jesus. You shall never wash my feet. Oh, well, then it changed a little bit. Oh, well, wait a minute. In that case, if I then wash my feet, my hands, my head, everything. And then Jesus said, no, I'm just your feet. And then finally Peter got to that, okay, I'll just sit here and be quiet part. Always took Peter a while to get to that I'll be quiet part. Always. So while Jesus washed his feet, Peter was terribly uncomfortable. 
As you minister to others, you need to allow other people to minister back to you. Sometimes it's much easier to give help than to receive it. One of the things I like doing around the house is I've always been stronger than my size. Uh, in the Marine Corps, I could always outlift the guys who were bigger than me. And, and I, so I could carry stuff around the house. And, you know, this morning I couldn't even carry my Bible. I had to ask Pat to rescue me because my Bible was falling and there was nothing I could do. And she caught it before it fell. And, and you know, I, I get frustrated. I don't like that. And yet, part of life, you have to allow people to minister to you. And so it's great when you can minister to other people, and you should, but it's also great when other people minister to you. You should allow them to do that. It's a blessing for you and a blessing for them. Right, the third thing here is that serving is not always fun. Serving is not always fun. What part of washing dirty feet was fun? I don't know. You know, Maybe a couple of them were ticklish, and so they're going, oh, ah, stop. <laughs> maybe that was fun. I don't know. Uh, but it, it, you get the impression here it was this solemn, quiet moment, and they're all kind of emotionally panicking. They wore sandals, and they got dusty, and they got dirty, and it was not fun. How many of you have ever worked in a hospital or know people who have worked in a hospital, right? You work in a hospital, even as a tech in a hospital, you, you're dealing with messy stuff. Nurses often have to deal with blood. Those who minister to others often have to deal with messy lives. Keep ministering. Keep helping. It didn't stop Jesus, and it shouldn't stop you. Serving is not always fun. Now, I, I do help in a while, although the last couple of weeks I haven't been able to. I'm hoping this Thursday I'll be up to it. Um, and Megan stepped in and filled in for my teaching, and then Joel and Lori filled in and took care of the other stuff that I do in Trek, and I appreciate them all covering for me. But... Um, you know, I enjoy being in track. It's a lot of fun. We have middle school kids in there. And this year we've got a little bit smaller group. Our Awana clubs are a little smaller. Some parents aren't sending their kids because of COVID and stuff. Uh, but, but we have eight in there often. And, and it's, it's really fun when I'm teaching them. And I see them, their, their eyes light up like, oh, they made a connection between what the Bible says and what their life is. And so they're making this connection. And that's really fun to see that. And, you know, we have 30 or 40 people who work in our Awana program and ministered. And, and yet, at the end of the night, most of the people are dragging on their way out to the car. Not Clorinda. Like, Awana energizes her. She's pirouetting in the parking lot. But, but all the rest of us are kind of dragging out to our cars because we made it through another night. When I get home this afternoon, I might eat beforehand, but I'm sleeping. I'll be worn out. Serving is not always fun, but it always brings a measure of joy into your life. When you help, when you serve, when you bless other people, that's a rich blessing in your own life. All right, so... 
Jesus is washing them. And then uh, at the end of it, look down in verse 12. When he had washed their feet, so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? What do you think they were thinking when he said that? Do you know what I've done to you? Peter is like, uh, yeah, you wash my feet. I don't think Peter said a word. Shocking. Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, your master and rabbi, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. So some churches have a ceremony where they wash one another's feet. Jesus was using this as an example. It's nowhere taught in the epistles that we're supposed to do this over and over. It's not wrong to do it, but I think it's wrong to say you have to do it. If a church chooses to do it, they could do it. That's fine. But don't say the Bible requires it. It's not prescriptive. It's descriptive. This is what Jesus did. And so he's now telling them they need to serve other people that you should do as I have done to you. So let's just say that, you know, Joel and Lori have somebody over to the house and they offer them uh, a drink of water. Maybe they have water bottles. Do you guys have water bottles? At your house? Okay, so they have water bottles. So would you like a water bottle? Okay. And then uh, Raquel is going to have some of her friends over. For the first time, she's never had friends over. You know, she has so few. And <laughs> she has lots of them. But anyway, so she's going to have friends over. And then when her friends come in, what do you think Lori wants to see Raquel do? Would you like water? Yeah. Not, hey, Mom, can you get us some water? But, but to offer to their friends. Why would Lori want to see Raquel do that? Because parents like to see their kids learning and following good behavior. That's an appropriate thing to do. So Jesus wanted them to follow him and wanted them to follow his example. And then he says, verse 15, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Meet social needs in people's lives. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's not enough to just know this. You need to then do it. So number four, when you have served well, you can be a blessing to others. All the disciples, all the apostles there in that room benefited from what Jesus did. When you're dirty, it feels very good to be clean. They appreciated what he did, even though it had been awkward. And so he said, do you know what I've done? I've given you an example that you should be willing to serve people. Now, in their setting, like I've been in a doctor's office and they've had to scrub my foot because you know, I stepped on glass and got glass embedded in the bone and all that fun stuff. So they had to scrub it. And what they did in the doctor's office, I sat on one of those tables, you know, they have it, and they propped my foot up and then they were working on it. But when Jesus was working with these guys, their feet were on the ground. And so as Jesus moved around the room washing their feet, he probably was on his knees the whole time, walking around the room on his knees serving 
people. We need to be willing to serve. We need to humble ourselves. We need to get involved in making people's lives a little better, a little richer. And so in Israel in that day, people walking on dirty roads and dirty paths with their feet got filthy and and they washed their feet and they let them know they're welcome here. You're welcome here. Now, in the days before COVID, we always had somebody at the door welcoming people and shaking their hand as they came in. And nowadays, folks generally don't want to shake hands. And and those that do want to shake hands generally bump into folks who don't want to receive it. You know, it's it's a little awkwardness in our culture. So we do a lot of waving and some fist bumping and some elbow bumping and a couple of leg takedowns is what John likes to do. Uh, uh, but... You know, we, 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 uh, we just show a little love and a little grace to people. And Jesus said, this is something I want you to keep doing. I want you to work at this. I want you to minister to other people. Don't get proud and arrogant. Don't think you have risen to a place where other people now need to serve you. You need to keep serving people. Now, later on in, uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 6, it talks about a problem arising in the church where the, the Grecian widows thought that the Israelite widows, uh, the Hebrew women, and the non-Hebrew women were being treated differently. So in their church, they had a program to help the widows. And so the Greek or non-Jewish widows said, hey, the Jewish widows get way more than we do. This is not fair. And so the apostles said, listen, it's not appropriate for us to wait tables. So they appointed a group of men to serve. Probably the onset of the deacons, the Greek word there, they called them to serve was to diakonos, to, to, to serve in the church. And so they called people to do that and to serve and to minister because their higher priority was focusing on the word and prayer. Now, as a pastor, I'm not an apostle. I'm not generating revelation from God. But I'm teaching the revelation from God. So the higher priorities of my week are focusing on studying the word and praying for you guys and praying for our church. And and that's a significant amount of my time. And then I have some other administrative things that I do. But the, the trustees in our church have asked me, don't do those work projects anymore. Apparently, I kept getting hurt and bleeding all over, and they didn't like that. So so don't do those things anymore. You do that other stuff, and we'll do this stuff. And and I appreciate them. We had a meeting the other day, the ministry leadership team, and like the day after or two days after, Jeff Jorgensen was up here at the church taking care of something. And later the next week, Tim Martinez and his son Todd were here taking care of something. And and, and I appreciate that. Uh, We need to... Be willing to serve, but we also need to allow other people the opportunity to serve and minister. But if you think you are so important you shouldn't serve anymore, you've really messed up. In the old days, in the old movies, if you ever watch movies from the 40s and 50s and 60s, they had a thing in the business setting called the executive washroom. And see, if you got up into the executive level of the business, you got a key to the executive washroom. And it wasn't what the other peons used down the road. This was your special washroom. That was your sacred space for executives only. God doesn't want the church to be that way. 
Now, I don't think it's necessarily wrong for a church to have a reserved parking spot for a pastor. I don't want one here. I, I usually park across the parking lot and walk in, although Kathy dropped me off right at the sidewalk this morning. Uh, but, but you know, I, I just, if I can walk, I want to walk further away. And a couple years ago when my knee was blown out and I had a handicap sticker and I parked as close as I could get to the door. Uh, but so we save those closer spaces for those who need it. And, and it's not wrong to do that, but it is wrong to elevate a pastor above the level where you are no longer viewing him as a servant. You are not here to serve your pastor. You're here to serve your Lord. And we all serve him together. At number five, when you serve well, you will please the Lord. You'll be following his example. Parents love to see their kids behaving well, and your heavenly father feels exactly the same way about his kids. And so Jesus said, uh, what, what, what did Jesus say? Good question. Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water in his name, what will happen for you? Do you remember? You'll be rewarded. You'll be rewarded in heaven because you did that on earth. So if you give a water bottle in his name, That doesn't mean if somebody comes to your house, I hand you this water bottle in the name of Jesus Christ. But but it does mean that like here is a church and we have water bottles. We make that available if you didn't bring one with you. And then we had a water bottle filling station out there. And so so if you're ministering in Jesus' name and you're helping people, and by the way, I encourage you to do that. You know, let's say you you see somebody struggling, you want to help them. You run and help them. They're struggling trying to carry something, and you can carry it, and you run up and offer to help, and they say, yes, that'd be a help, and, and then you help them. And then they, you, and they turn around, and they thank you. Well, just, it, I encourage you just build into your mindset that you'll say, the Lord wants us to serve and help other people. Jesus Christ encouraged us to serve, and I'm just happy I could help you a little bit today. Just mention his name in the process. Not so, ooh, if I say his name, I get eternal reward, win-win. No, just do it because you might help them think about Jesus a little bit differently. Because a lot of people view Jesus as kind of a stuffy guy who didn't approve of their behavior. They've never read the Bible. They don't know the real Jesus. They don't know how much he loved and cared. But they might get a glimpse of it through you if you serve in his name. And when we serve, it's vital for us to remember that. We serve for the approval of one. We serve for the approval of one. Now, there are times when I've said things up here that have embarrassed my wife, just rarely, you know, like in 22 years, maybe twice um, a week. Uh, uh, no, but but there, there are times when, but we don't serve to please other people. In fact, one time years ago, I, I was in the Marine Corps, and uh, the thing that I particularly excelled at in the Marine Corps was the hand-to-hand combat. And, and I was starting to say an illustration of that one day. And I said, in the Marine Corps, they taught us to, and, you know, in the Marine Corps, they, they, in that training for that 
uh, security clearance. They, they taught you actually how to, to take somebody out, to end their life, to break their neck. And, and, and I, I thought, well, I can't say break their neck. So I, they taught us to break legs. And this person was so offended that a pastor would say he knew how to break somebody's legs. You know, um, I just for the record, I have not broken anyone's leg for 53 years, okay? Just, just saying. Um, you're going to have people not understand you. You're going to have people reject you. Hey, if they could reject Jesus, he was perfect, they're going to find some fault in you. And, 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 you know, you're not perfect. If that's news to you, I feel sorry for whoever lives with you. But, but see, you don't live for the approval of other people. Now, granted, if I got obnoxious enough up here that the deacons thought they needed a new pastor, the church could vote me out of here, I totally understand that. But if I try and serve just to make you happy, then I'm not following the Lord. If you try and serve just to make me happy, you're not following the Lord. We serve for the approval of the Lord. We want his approval in our activities. I saw a comic once where a person said, you know, I'm glad that you brought up our need to serve, and I have a list of things right here that I want you to do for me. There are people like that. There are people that I have used the phrase, the term takers. They want, want, want. They're not givers. They don't help. They don't serve. Oh, but they sure want you to help and serve them. Now, if they're sitting in this room, you don't need to turn around and point at them and say, hey, he's talking about you. Okay, but you make sure you are not that person. Don't let other people even think that about you. You don't have to worry about them. They answer to God, and they will. You worry about you, because you'll answer to God. So don't let people compel you to do things for them. Now, kids, kids, are you listening? Your parents can tell you what to do. That's fine when you're a kid. You know, when Aiden was three years old, Joel could tell Aiden what to do where to go, and who his friends could be. Well, Aiden's a man now. His dad could make a suggestion, and Aiden could say, I take that under advisement and ignore it. So he might enjoy doing that too. <laughs> but kids, your parents can tell you how to serve, but listen, adults, no adult can tell you how to serve or where to serve. You answer to the Lord. Two weeks ago I was talking about, I think I used an illustration about um, when I, I was preaching before I ended up coming here, we knew God was leading us away from where we were. And, and I preached in a couple of different churches and a couple in California and one in Georgia. And in those churches, somebody, they were mad at me because they knew it was God's will that I go to their church. And, you know, they were on opposite ends of the country, east of Atlanta and East or Western California. And yet they both thought it was God's will for me to go. But Kathy and I really did not. And we ended up coming here, and we very clearly felt it was God's will. The church very clearly felt it was God's will. 
But for months, I got calls and texts from a guy in California harassing me because I was denying the Lord and not following God's will for my life because he knew what God's will was for my life. I have known pastor's wives who've served in ministries they did not like because their husband pastor told them they needed to do it. Now, I didn't do that with Kathy. I let her decide what ministry she wanted. I did make suggestions, like I encouraged her to start a ladies' Bible study years ago. And she was a little uncomfortable with that idea. But then she finally started it, and she's doing it. Uh, I think it's fine for you to encourage somebody to consider a ministry. But don't tell them, this is what you must do. The Lord spoke to me, Bill, and he said, you must do this. Now, if I said that to Bill, Bill's not even going to blink. If I said it to Faye, I'd have to be standing more than an arm's length away. They're not going to do it, and you shouldn't either. Now, this pastor won't, but if you ever have a pastor who tells you, you need to do this, tell them politely, I answer to the Lord, and I will pray about it. And if the Lord tells me I need to do it, I will. You got that? We serve for his approval. And so it's okay to encourage people and have them think about something, but you serve under the authority of and for the approval of Jesus Christ. I want to share a couple of verses with you about this. So when you're thinking about serving, you need to remember, I need to serve, but the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and the Scripture tell me how and what I should do, not other people. You can take their recommendations and learn from them. I've served in a couple of ways I didn't think I could. Somebody encouraged me to consider it, and I considered it, I did it, and God blessed, and it worked well. But look, 1 Corinthians 7.23, you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Don't let people push you to do what they want you to do. Follow the Lord. Galatians 1.10, do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. You serve Christ. You live for his approval. And what happens sometimes in churches, people are desperately seeking the approval of other people. And so they work themselves into a frenzy of activity, a frenzy of things, trying to please somebody else, and they're ignoring the very one they're supposed to please, the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the New Testament leaders? How did they describe themselves? Well, Romans 1 and Titus 1, Paul said, I'm Paul, a bondservant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then in Philippians 1, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ. James 1, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1, 1, uh, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Verse 1 of Jude, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. We serve for the approval of one. Now, when you read in the Bible, you read about John, or I'm sorry, you read about Paul saying there was a time when he wanted Apollos to do something, and Apollos said no. 
And when you read it in the text there, you really kind of get the idea that Paul was a little annoyed that Apollo said no. But you know what? Apollos didn't answer to Paul. He answered to Jesus. And you can make suggestions, but not demands. And you focus not on directing other people's service. You focus on serving. So earlier in the service, we had blessings that people shared for the month of February. Today's the last month of February. It would be my dad's 85th birthday if he was still here. He's with the Lord. He doesn't care about birthdays. Doesn't care about his age either. He's doing great. Uh, but but with with uh, when we're serving and we're ministering to other people, we need to focus on the Lord and focus on Him. So this is the last day of February. I'm not asking you to tell me. I'm not asking you to raise your hand and share something. I'm asking you to think. How have you served people? in the month of February. In fact, I said that poorly, okay? I I like to use the phrase this way. We serve Jesus. He's the one we submit to and follow, but we minister to others. So instead of thinking about serving people, think about ministering to people. We serve him, not them. So think, how have you, in the month of February, ministered to some other person on earth whose life is blessed because you were there? in the month of February, 2021. And if you can't think of anybody, well, you got 12 and a half hours to get something before the end of the month, okay? You can come up with something. You don't serve people, you serve Jesus. He makes the rules, he sets the boundaries, you represent him. You know what's fun? He rewards you for doing the very thing you're supposed to do. He blesses you as you're a blessing to other people. There's a joy in serving Jesus. And we can do it together. But we need to be serving within the lines, following his rules, his structure. Serving within the lines. Bring that last slide. That's just a reminder. If you're driving down the road and some car in front of you is not staying in their lanes, are you going to be quick to pass them? I'm not. I want to keep them in front of me so I can avoid them. Uh, You know, it's dangerous when you see people not doing that. And spiritually, it's just as dangerous when you don't stay in the lines, submit to Jesus, serve him, minister to people, use your life to be a blessing to other people in the name of Jesus. And you'll be blessed, they'll be blessed, and the Lord will be pleased. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing grace and your love for us. We thank you that you, uh, you give us life spiritual life. We were spiritually dead before we trust you as Savior. We thank you that when we ask you to forgive our sins, you do, because that's who you are and that's what you do. We thank you for your love and grace and the strength that you give us to get through our days. We pray that this week we will minister to somebody in your name and be 
filled with joy because we followed through on what we learned today. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Victory Baptist Church or trusting Christ as your Savior and following Him, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org or send an email to victory at victoryarizona.org.